Welcome to the Right Type Coaching Podcast, where it's time to change the way you do business. On this show, I'm going to discuss with you the nuts and bolts about growing and scaling your business, as well as how to leverage who you are in order to gain that competitive edge. Each week, I'll explore topics that teach you how to create a workplace environment full of highly engaged, loyal, and collaborative people. And all successful business owners know that this is the secret to increasing productivity, morale, and ultimately growing your bottom line. I'm your host, Kate Schroeder. Let's get started. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. It has been a while since I have hopped on here with you guys um, and, and done some videos and shared thoughts with you. I've really been focused the last couple of months on um, myself and what I've really been needing as this pandemic wears on and, and how to be present for my clients in the midst of this perfect storm. And so I wanted to share some ideas with you and some thoughts that I've been having, you know, now seven months into this pandemic and, you know, there's no end in sight. And I first started feeling uh, kind of this nameless experience several months back where um, it was a, a general sense of unease and upset that wasn't quite anxiety or depression, but was very real and, and um, kind of this nameless experience that somehow was making it harder for me to go on with even some of the enjoyable things that I regularly did, things that brought me a lot of joy or support or happiness. And what I was finding is that this was a feeling and an experience that seemed to be there constantly each day in some shape or form, no matter what I did or how I supported myself. And I was so excited when several weeks back I came across an article that that um, talked about this sort of nameless feeling that seems to be really getting in the way of blocking everyday routines for people. And uh, I wanted to share some of my thoughts with you about this because I feel like it is such an important thing. You know, one of the the um, experiences that makes something so much more difficult is when we have to live it in isolation. We have to live it in disconnection. We feel like we're the only ones uh, experiencing this. And, um, and so it feels important to really share some ideas about this with you guys today. And one of the things that I've discovered and, and have learned as I kind of explored this uh, idea a little bit more is that often what's blocking people's everyday routines is not just the anxiety of lockdown or all the adjustments that come with that or even the worries about yourself or loved ones, although those are incredibly important and very, very real. And it's not even the sense that, you know, against the backdrop of a pandemic, right? If we're really honest with ourselves about the things we did day to day, much of what we did um, is pretty self-indulgent, uh, you know, and, and maybe even not that important when it's held up against the urgency of a global pandemic. But what's blocking so many people right now, what's creating so much anxiety and depression for people right now, is about something more troubling and harder to name. This nameless experience, right? This uncertainty about why we would go on doing much of what, for many years, you've taken for granted as inherently valuable. And, and I've noticed this a lot of places. There's a really deep sense of feeling lost and disoriented that's plaguing many, many people these days, and you might be one of them. And what we're confronting right now in the midst of this pandemic and something that many medical and public health and mental health experts in the pandemic have explored from a variety of angles is this restless distraction that stems not just from not knowing when things are going to end, but also from not knowing what that end is going to look like. You know, what's our world going to look like on the other side? 
And perhaps the, the greatest insight into this nameless feeling has come from historians of religion who link this to a forgotten term called acedia. And what we're experiencing right now, this nameless uh, unrestlessness, is, is very ancient. You know, acedia was a condition that apparently has been traced back to medieval monks who were plagued with this kind of nameless experience too. And what acedia is, is it's a sense of no longer caring about caring. Not because one had become apathetic necessarily, but because somehow the whole structure of care had become jammed up and bogged down. You know, Wikipedia defines acedia as this state of listlessness or torpor of not really caring so much or not being concerned with one's position or condition in the world. And what uh, historians of religion found is that many medieval monks suffered from this. And so I find this really provoking because you know, when I think about this, I was curious, you know, what could this particular form of distress mean for us now in this current global crisis? I mean, on the face of it, all of us care so much about health risks, uh, both to those we know as well as to ourselves. But along with that, uh, lurking along those immediate cares is also a very real sense of dislocation. Uh, an anchorlessness that somehow can interfere pretty quickly with how we care. And what was really interesting was this article that I was reading was talking about an extreme thought experiment about death. Back in 2013, a philosopher named Samuel Schleffler explored a, a core belief about death. And, you know, this idea that we all assume there's going to be a future world that survives our particular life and world. And um, that world's going to be populated by people roughly like us, including some who probably are related or at least known to us. And though we rarely uh, realize this or acknowledge it, this kind of preserved future world is a, is a horizon or an anchor towards which everything we do in the here and now, the present moment, gets oriented. But this philosopher asked, well, what if we lose that assumed future world? because say maybe we're told that human life is going to end on a particular date, which we've had some of those, right? Uh, not far after our own death. Remember um, 2000, the year 2000, and what a big deal that was as our century was going to shift? You know, if we think about that, if suddenly we lose our horizon, this changes everything about the here and now, right? All the things that we would value in the present moment would start to lose their value. You know, our sense of why things matter today is always built on this presumption that they're going to continue to matter. They're going to endure in the future, even when we're no longer here to value them. You know, our, our present relation, relations to people, to things, to experiences in this really deep way are future-oriented. You know, art's created, um, things are built, families started in the present, but always with this deeper sort of unconscious future in mind. This is the kind of the motivator. It's the horizon to which we're always looking. So what happens to our mental and emotional bearings then when we start to lose our grip on that future? And that's very much what we're all experiencing right now. It is here, you know, um, this global pandemic is, is a place where we are seeing more clearly 
how this experience of losing our horizon, the restlessness, the dislocation so many people have been feeling is what it's about. And you know, the source of our current experience of acedia is not the literal loss of the future. I mean, even the most pessimistic scenarios surrounding this pandemic have our species surviving and adapting. But the dislocation is so much more subtle. It's a disruption in pretty much every future frame of reference on which just going on day to day relies. And many of us don't know that. Many of us don't realize that that is a source of our distress and our anxiety and our depression. You know, moving around is what we do as creatures and humans and as a species. And for that, we need horizons. And this pandemic has erased many of the uh, sort of temporal or even illusional horizons we rely on, even if we don't notice them consciously very often. You know, another thing that we know is that our brains unravel and run amok in the face of ambiguity. And boy, is there a lot of ambiguity right now. That's what our pandemic world is all about, right? Things like, can this virus infect you even if you're appropriately socially distanced? Still not clear, right? How, what, what's the right distance? Um, you know, is it airborne? Is it not? You know, is there going to be a vaccine? Uh, when, you know, is the vaccine going to be safe to take? Um, how long do you have antibodies after you survive COVID-19? You know, people aren't quite sure about that either. There's just so much ambiguity. You know, is there going to be a second or third wave of sickness that kind of dwarfs this first wave, like the 1918 flu pandemic? You know, why does COVID-19 uh, um, affect and, and sometimes kill perfectly healthy people? You know, when there's so much ambiguity and, and a truly scary, invisible thingy out there, right? Life becomes more of an exercise in survival. Trying to manage emotions that get all stirred up inside as best as we can, moment to moment. And when our reptilian brain kicks in, which is what happens when we're in survival mode, we tend to operate more in this black or white kinds of behaviors and thinking, if we operate at all. You know, on one end of that continuum looks like, you know, if we decide this invisible virus is nowhere and can't hurt us, then soon people are traveling around unmasked and, and exposing everybody. And what's important to know about this extreme is that younger people typically are less averse to ambiguity than adults, and that's why it's harder for them to stay put. You know, at the other end of the extreme, we decide that this invisible virus is absolutely everywhere and on every surface, it's in the air, you know, then a person's now ended up in a place where the hopes of feeling safe, even briefly, are pretty small. So no wonder there's this current tidal wave of anxiety and paranoia and distress. All this ambiguity in our life right now begs to mind the question of how people's sense of agency is being impacted. You know, sense of agency is the felt experience that we actually have some control over our actions and consequences in our lives and in our world. And in the midst of the pandemic we're in, our sense of agency is taking a huge hit. Suddenly those things that we used to, like I said, take for granted or the things that used to bolster us, they no longer have the same effect because of this acedia experience. And in many cases, some of us, oof, especially in survival mode, it just flat out forget about what sustains us in the first place. So all of that, plus the sense of acedia happening for many people, and no wonder we've got a huge mental health crisis and all kinds of emotional issues. 
No wonder anxiety is high. Addictions are rampant. People are decompensating emotionally and depression is, is, is high. You know, what unsettles us right now is not only the impact of this ambiguity and the constant change, it's that we can no longer um, trust in the future. And many things become irrelevant because of that. And even in some cases, pointless. And by that, we mean from the perspective of a future whose, whose basic shape can no longer be taken for granted. And this is a very real and new experience for most of us. It also fundamentally disrupts how we weigh the value of what we're doing now, our relationships, and makes it so much harder under these kinds of conditions to hold on to the value, to get the support from all of these experiences that we typically have in the past. And that's what many of us are feeling. That's today's acedia. And that's why right now, more than ever, everyone needs a break these days. It's time to restructure your expectations for yourself, your partners, your kiddos, friends, coworkers, anyone that you come in contact with, and yes, even your pets. You know, it's time to find what brings you comfort and satisfaction, even if it's fleeting, and then do more of that. You know, we can also focus on being more mindful, taking deep breaths and recognizing that even in the midst of all this unknown going on, we still do know some things about the virus and how we can be safe in the world right now. You know, because if we don't do that, the other options decide that completely hopeless, a hostage of random chance, and, and soon now you're part of this huge tsunami of depression and anxiety that's spreading around the globe. So naming this kind of malaise, it might seem like in some ways more trouble than it's worth, but really the opposite is true. Because when we name something, we replace ambiguity with form and structure. You know, we suddenly make this invisible experience that's impacting us all in a very deep way visible. And this is powerful. And probably one of the most difficult things about that experience of medieval acedia was that most of these monks struggled with it in isolation. And I'll tell you, isolation makes everything 10 times worse. And I get it right now. Connection has changed too, right? It's no longer possible to be in person with others in the same ways that we took for granted pre-pandemic. And we don't even know how long this is going to last. I too am incredibly exhausted and even getting burnt out from the day-to-day -day ongoing connection through computer screens and over telephone lines or through texting and chat messaging. It's just not the same. And yet, it's what reality looks like now. You know, this disruption of our sense of a future and day-to-day -day reality, it has to be shared. We have to share this with others because what's disrupted in this structure of care that sustains why we go on doing things together is that the only way we can repair this is through renewed connection and solidarity coming together. But that kind of connection has to have a precondition that we openly discuss what's going on, this problem of uh, malaise and acedia and discontent and ambiguity and how it's getting in the way from us facing our worlds and doing what we need to take care of ourselves. You know, if connection via a screen is all we have right now, then we be have to begin having real connection in that way. Real conversations about the things that are truly happening inside and outside of us. You know, Things like issues related to the ongoing distress, the sense of feeling lost and anchorlessness, having a hard time getting started. And once we've done that, once we've brought realness in, we can recognize that's a problem we need to all tackle together. 
as families, as communities, nations, globally, which means doing so in acceptance of not only our shared vulnerability, but also finding ways to connect with each other and weather the storm in connection rather than suffering each on our own. We have to do what it takes right now. So I hope that this has helped some of you understand a little more about what might be the underlying um, uh, sources for this anxiety or this distress, kind of this nameless feeling. You know, many of us are quite familiar with the experience of anxiety or even what it feels like to be depressed, but this is something altogether different. And so my hope is that you've gotten some support from these ideas. And as always, I um, would love to hear from you if you're struggling with these kinds of things or you're interested in uh, talking more about this, please reach out. Email me directly. Uh, for those of you who might want more connection to make your way to the other side, uh, reach out. I'm starting small therapy groups of three to four people max to keep the groups intimate, which is a wonderful way to bring in connection and solidarity as we're each living through this experience. So, as always, thank you for watching. And if you haven't yet joined my Facebook community, please do. Uh, it's called The Right Type Coaching. And I'd love to have you there and join in the conversation. Thanks a lot. Bye for now. And that's it for this week's episode. I sure hope that I've given you something to think about from our conversation today that's going to help you elevate your impact in your business and life. Remember to go on Facebook and like our business page, Transformation Counseling. And if you haven't yet, be sure to join my Facebook community, The Right Type Coaching. This is where you'll find more resources, information, tips, and tricks on how to leverage who you are in order to grow your bottom line. I'm your host, Kate Schroeder, and remember, it's time to change the way you do business. It's time to grow. Bye for now.